Hello and welcome to the DHS Press NFL Mock Draft Preview. Joining me now on the other line is Mark Jarvis. Mark, thank you so much for being on the call. Thanks for bringing me on. I'm glad to be here. So let's look at the mock draft. It's going to be up on DHS Press with this podcast. Uh, For the purpose of this mock, I assume that Kirk Cousins signs with the Denver Broncos, as many reports say. There's obviously a chance that he signs with either Minnesota or New York. Just before we start the mock draft, where do you see Cousins going? Right now, I'm assuming that he's going to go to Denver. I feel like Denver is the best uh, scenario for him to go to. I feel like in terms of what they have talent-wise, the best chance of winning. And they also have, uh, they can make enough cap room to get him. Also, the Vikings are in play here. So if you're uh, looking at a potential mock where the uh, where Cousins doesn't go to the Broncos, you could see him going to the Vikings, potentially uh, filling a spot where uh, Case Keenum might be leaving and Teddy Bridgewater might be uh, leaving as well. Right. Do you think there's any chance that he goes to the Jets? There's a chance there. Uh, I feel like cap room wise, they might have enough. They might need to open up a little bit. Um, of course, cutting Mo Wilkerson, a very good move in that direction. Matt Forte retiring takes a lot off the books as well. Um, big question is, does he want to stay in a big media market or does he want to go somewhere that's a little bit smaller? And also, it's going to come down to the money. What team is going to be able to put up the most money for Kirk Cousins? What team is going to be willing to invest? I feel like the Jets may be going more young. They already have Josh McCown as an established veteran. Uh, Kirk, Kirk Cousins would give them a chance to win immediately, but they might want to go somewhere else. Uh, if Baker Mayfield's available, he might be a better pick for them than going after Cousins in free agency. All right, so with all that said, let's dive into the mock draft. With the first pick in the draft, I had the Cleveland Browns taking Sam Darnold, the quarterback from USC. What do you think of Darnold? I love Darnold, and the thing with Darnold you have to factor in is that he is a project. He has a little bit to, uh, of work to do. In terms of what he brings on the field, very smart decision-maker, a guy who can go through his reads very quickly, get to his second and third option very quickly. The biggest question with him is going to be his footwork and his mechanics in general. Um, with his uh, with his release, there are questions about his release. He has a longer throwing motion. Some people consider it a little bit of a baseball motion, but I don't think that's the biggest concern because he gets good velocity on his passes. The big question is just going to be with his footwork. If his footwork can be, uh, you know, when he does get off platform and get a little bit reckless, it depletes his accuracy a little bit. The big question is if he can keep that in check and if he can make it more uh, consistent off-platform, if that's going to be able to tone up his accuracy a little bit and therefore make him a legitimate star QB prospect. I mean, for a young quarterback, one of the most important things is having a good offensive line and a good support system. I feel like Cleveland has that good offensive line. If Joe Thomas comes back next year, they've got him, they've got uh, Kevin Zeitler, they've got uh, J.C. Treader at center. I mean, they have a good offensive line to surround him with. They don't have many weapons, though. I feel like that might be an issue on offense. Absolutely. And this is this is one thing with Darnold and Rosen that they both need to an extent. Um, Rosen and Darnold both got beat up quite a bit at USC and UCLA, uh, respectively. Um, the big thing between the two is that Darnold can create for himself, even if he doesn't have the greatest line, able to move the pocket around and make uh, a throwing platform for himself. Rosen not necessarily able to do that. So if we're talking about what uh, Darnold needs in terms of coming to the NFL, I don't think he needs the perfect offensive line. If Cleveland can give him something to work with, it'll be good enough. Uh, it'll be better than what he had at USC. Of course, at USC, he had to do a lot of uh, carrying the team on his back, at least offensively. Uh, you know, a lot of times pressure would be breaking through up the middle. He'd have to leave the pocket and go find things outside uh, the pocket. Uh, right. You talked about Rosen there, and I've got Rosen going number two to the Giants. I mean – I've seen him play, and Rosen just throws such a nice football. I mean, his mechanics are absolutely perfect. I remember watching him in the Elite 11 back when he was a senior in high school before he'd gone to UCLA. And back then you could see, I mean, Trent Dilfer would say 
he's got the most raw talent in terms of just pure throwing ability. What do you think of Rosen? And I absolutely agree with you. You hit the nail on the head. As a pure thrower, he is the best guy in the class that's not close. Mechanically sound. I know people have said if you're talking about a quarterback out of the box, what you're getting, Rosen can come in immediately, hit all the throws, throws with good anticipation, good timing, generally throws with good accuracy. The big question mark is what can he do out of the system? When everything's lined up perfectly, he can just stand there in the pocket and deliver. He's easily the best guy in the class. But what can he do outside of the pocket? What can he do on the move and when things break down? That's the big question with Rosen. But if we put Rosen in a situation where he has a good offensive line, that's why I mentioned Cleveland. If we put him in a situation where he has a good offensive line, he doesn't even need good weapons. He can uh, you know, take anyone out there and just throw them open. He can make them put the pass right in their hands, make it easy. Just the question is going to be, can he get that situation where he's going to have a clean pocket, where he can just do what he does best and throw the football? Yeah, Rosen is really, really talented, but he also has other concerns other than just the ability to create outside the pocket. He had some injury concerns when he was at UCLA. Do you think that's because of the lack of athleticism, or is that just something about Rosen himself? I think it's a combination of both. Rosen just weighed in the combine very well, came in at 6'4", 226, uh, seemed to have balked up a little bit from playing in college. I know a lot of people thought he would weigh in around 215, somewhere along those lines. Concussions are a big issue. It's a big concern. Um, you know, concussions, of course, you have the concussion history. You're more prone to get more concussions, and you're also more likely to, you know, consider uh, potentially leaving football if those concussions get too bad. Of course, the development of uh, or, uh, the recognition of CTE, rather, um, being more uh, common in the public spotlight. Uh, it's kind of drawn people to be more concerned about that sort of thing. Um, but Rosen physically, he holds up well. His body holds up well. He's taken quite a bit of punishment at UCLA. I think it's mostly a situation where his offensive line just let him get beat up pretty badly. But if we're talking about um, physically, if can he hold up to the punishment, I think he can take some pretty big hits and hold on. You talked about how he might want to leave football. There's a concern with Rosen that he doesn't need to be a football player, that he can be more, that he's got some personality issues, that he's uncoachable. I mean, have you heard anything about that, and do you have any opinions on that? Absolutely, and that's why I mentioned leaving football. Of course, a lot of guys deal with concussions and decide to stay in football with Rosen. I'm not sure if he's going to. Of course, Rosen has said in the past that he wants to use football to make money, and I don't have an issue with that. I feel like he's a very intelligent guy, has a good head on his shoulders, and he understands his value to the game. He understands his value as a quarterback. He understands where he is and how important he is to the teams in the NFL who might want to get him. The big question is going to be you know, a controversial uh, personality, a guy who – really is confident in himself to that extent, who believes he is that great next guy. Um, you know, some coaches are going to have an issue with that. Some coaches are going to say, we can't work with him. His personality issues too much. Um, there's also some issues. People are concerned about how he meshes with his teammates, his chemistry with his teammates. All of his teammates at UCLA have pretty much said they were fine with him, but it's something that has been noted by a lot of people. I personally don't see it as a huge issue. Um, I don't mind a guy wanting to say he wants to make money on football. That's what every football player is going to do at the end of the day is make some money. Um, but, of course, if he loves the game, he shows he loves the game. If he shows up on time and does what he needs to do, I would be fine taking him as a franchise quarterback. Do you think that the Giants can surround him with the right pieces? I mean, he, I don't think he'd start immediately if they did draft him there because Eli looks like he's going to be given another shot there for at least one year, maybe two. Do you think that that time could be enough for the Giants to build up their offensive line and then give the keys to the car to Rosen? Absolutely not. One thing that I'm really unsure with is if he does go to the Giants, what happens with Eli? Because Eli, we saw when they tried to put in Geno Smith, the Giants fan base was not having it at all. Um, Rosen, of course, a guy who I think could come in and contest Eli immediately for that starting job. 
But the big question is going to be, like you said, can they put pieces around him to where he'd be healthy? I know Josh Rosen said that he doesn't want to necessarily go to a lower team uh, just be, if it's the wrong fit. And I feel like the Giants may be the wrong fit for him. Of course, he has a lot of weapons. He has Evan Ingram. He has uh, Odell Beckham Jr. He has Sterling Shepard. He has a lot of guys to throw to, a lot of guys to work with. But that line is not good enough right now to hold, uh, hold and protect him. They might need to just go ahead and redshirt him for a year or two and let Eli take the majority of that damage and let him kind of bear the brunt of that poor offensive line that they've built up before they put Rosen in. I wouldn't want to risk Rosen's health behind a poor offensive line. I feel like the New York Giants can't give him that offensive line that he would need. And it's not just about Rosen's health, although that's a huge concern. Putting a young quarterback behind an untested offensive line can just stun his growth overall. I mean, you saw what it did to a guy like David Carr with the Texans. He got sacked so many times, and he was the, never the same after. So the, if the Giants do take him, they have to make sure they have a sound plan in place, and that's going to be the job of Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer. Moving on to number three, the Indianapolis Colts. I had them taking Bradley Chubb from NC State. Chubb's not in the class of, say, Von, Mil- Von Miller or Cleo Mack, but I think he's just under that. He's an extremely talented pass rusher. He doesn't have exceptional burst off the edge or exceptional be- uh, bend coming around the edge, but I think he's got a wide array of moves that can help him against the run in the pass. What do you think? Absolutely. And Brad Chubb, even though he's not that freak athlete like a guy like Von Miller or Miles Garrett, he's not in that same level. He is still a very good defender. He's able to be effective both through technique and natural athleticism. Not the guy who's going to be the elite bender, but he has good enough bender good around the edge. The thing with Bradley Chubb is he ha- he can win in a variety of ways. Most even events, they're kind of one-trick one trick ponies. You see guys who have that bend around the edge. Think of Harold Landry from, uh, from Boston College. One of those guys who can bend around the edge, but he doesn't have a lot of refinement outside of that. Chubb has both the hand technique and the bend to show up and be effective with regards to what you want to do with him. Now, it's a little bit mixed on the Bradley Chubb to Andy talk. Prior to them getting new coaching staff, prior to them changing their scheme, as a 3-4 outside rusher, I don't know if Chubb would succeed. I want him to be putting his hand in the dirt and rushing as a typical 4-3 defensive end. They moved to 4-3. I feel like Bradley Chubb would be a great piece there. Maybe put him across from Terrell Basham, uh, the former, I believe, is a third-round pick out of Ohio, um, and have those guys manning the edges. And you could see Chubb be a legitimate star on that Indianapolis defensive line. Does Chubb have a high floor? You've got a, you've got his uh, low his floor down right now is TJ Watt, who's shown some really good promise as a first year player from Wisconsin for the Steelers. Do you think that Chubb has that kind of floor? Absolutely. And I feel like something that is worth mentioning is TJ Watt has been very successful so far early in his career. And the way I say that, and the way I see it in general, is that. Bradley Chubb, he can do a little bit of everything. Even though I said he wouldn't be best in a 3-4 system as an outside linebacker, he can do it if necessary. And the reason why I gave him the T.J. Watt comparison is that raw athleticism. T.J. Watt, a little bit of a smaller guy compared to Bradley Chubb. But Bradley Chubb, much like T.J. Watt, can drop the coverage. and He can uh, fill up small zones and be an, uh, an impact, even if he's not rushing the pass. He can do everything you want pretty much as that outside guy. So that's why I kind of gave Bradley Chubb kind of T.J. Watt floor. I think his floor is tremendous but also his ceiling is tremendous. Not the same ceiling as a guy like Miles Garrett or Von Miller. Not a guy who you're going to expect to become that consistent all-pro, but he's going to get to purples year after year and be a very effective player. Speaking of players, I'll make, make with their second pick in the first round, the Cleveland Browns, 
I had them taking Minka Fitzpatrick, and Minka's one of the more interesting players in the draft. I don't, I didn't know what position to put him down as because he's so versatile. I mean, you can say that he could play corner, he could play strong safety, free safety, and some people even have him down as a dime linebacker. I mean, he's so talented, so versatile. I think he's the perfect player for the new NFL. Absolutely, and the thing with Minka that you have to factor in, I feel like a lot of people are looking at someone like Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey coming out of college from Florida State, we weren't sure if he was a safety or a cornerback. I feel like people saw the success, saw him to become that dominant outside cornerback. I don't think Minka's in that same mold. However, if you want to play him as that nickel corner, you can use him that way. If you want to play him as a deep safety, you can use him that way. Even if you want to put him at linebacker, you can use him that way. Wherever you want to put him, he can succeed. His coverage ability is great, has great range. His tackling is very solid, has good fundamentals, and he's a very smart player in general. Really, whatever you want to do, you can put him uh, wherever you want on that Cleveland uh, you know, defensive secondary. Whatever you want to do, you can just run him back there. You know, uh, He can fill any hole. And with Jabril Peppers, they used him as a deep safety last year, moving him up to box safety. I feel like Minka can come into that role perfectly across from Jabril Peppers and fill in and be a starter immediately for the Browns. Peppers is better suited as the strong safety, right? He's better suited in the box playing against the run. And I feel like Minka gives... The Browns' the versatility to put him in the spot where he's best, giving them... Because, I mean, if you look at what Peppers did last year, I mean, Greg Williams had him lining up so far back that it was comical almost. I mean, he's not going to be successful when you put him in a position where he's not comfortable and he's not really talented in. And that's what the Browns did last year. Do you think that Minka could change the culture around the Browns? Because obviously, they don't have a good culture with some of the players they've drafted recently. Well, let me first say to the Peppers comment, I absolutely agree. I felt like Greg Williams had him going way too far back. I saw at one point he was 23 yards behind the line of scrimmage, just so far back it was almost to where he wasn't even impactful. And for someone like Peppers, who spent a lot of his time in college as a linebacker, you're not going to want to put a guy that far back. Maybe you put someone like Malik Hooker, a guy who could be the next Ed Reed, uh, that far back. But when you're talking about a guy who's spent so much time at safety and spent so much time up as a box safety near the line of scrimmage, you don't want him being that far back. So... You take Minka Fitzpatrick, he can be that guy. You can put him far back and use him way back there, and you know you can fill him pretty much every role you want. Uh, of course, he's a versatile piece like Peppers, but he's a little bit more versatile. He can do a little bit more. But like you said, we talk about changing a culture, and we look at Jamal Adams and what he did for that New York Jets team. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, someone uh, um, hit up Le'Veon Bell on Twitter and said, hey, Le'Veon, what would it take for you to come to play for the Jets? And he said, I'd need $60 million a year. I, I would never play for the Jets. That's crazy. And Jamal Adams... Uh, hit him up on Twitter and said, "Hey man, <laughs> slow down there, dog. You gotta, you gotta chill out. Uh, what do I gotta run to the bank and get you so you can play for these Jets? <laughs> you know, Jamal Adams is that kind of electric personality for the Jets. He's that guy that unites the culture. And when you look at Minka Fitzpatrick, you can see a lot of the similarities. Not the same kind of outspoken guy that Jamal Adams is, but definitely a guy that people are willing to rally around. A lot of people on the Alabama defense rallied around him and saw him as that national leader. Um, you know, of course, a very deep connection with uh, Nick Saban." and was trusted in a way that most guys that have gone through the Alabama program have never been trusted. All right. With the fifth pick, I had the Denver Broncos taking Saquon Barkley. Since in this mock we had them signing Kirk Cousins, that takes them out of the quarterback market. But here they get an exceptional weapon for Cousins. I saw that in your rankings you had Barkley number two behind Darius Geis. Can you explain that quickly? All right, and with Darius Geis... Uh, you have to factor in his 2016 tape versus 2017. Uh, 2017, a little bit more banged up, had some issues with speed because of his injuries, dealt with some lower body uh, injuries, some leg injuries, and that slowed him down a little bit. But when he was healthy, all you have to do is turn on his Texas A&M, A&M tape in 2016. 
It was some of the most dominant running I've ever seen. Every touch he was turning a two-yard gain into a 20-yard gain just lit up the Aggies for an un- a comical performance. And it was just really just one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Really impacted my stock for uh, Geist. But, you know, a combination of uh, speed, power, vision, um, just ability to create through contact. He was the perfect running back on tape in 2016. Um, and it just kind of it slacked off a little bit. But he's still one of the best guys in the class. I feel like as a pure runner, He's certainly better than Barkley. But the question is, with Barkley, what are you getting in terms of the receiving game? Receiving right, that was my question. That was Go my ahead. question because, I mean, Geis may be the pure best runner, but in terms of a three-down back and making plays in the passing game, I feel that Barkley is so far ahead of Geis that it's, it's nowhere close, and that's why I had Barkley as my first running back. Yeah, and I think it's close. I think it's closer than people like to say because – Guys, he wasn't given many opportunities to be a legitimate receiving threat in the LSU offense. Of course, the same offense that Leonard Fournette came out of uh, really didn't ask him to go out there and catch passes. A lot of times they put eight guys on the line of scrimmage and just pound the rock right up the middle. Um, and they'd use their wide receivers as blockers, move them over to the line of scrimmage, uh, move them up uh, next to the tight ends. It was really just insane how often uh, LSU used a, a really just run-heavy style that didn't allow guys to show off his receiving ability. But I agree. Saquon Barkley, he is a natural receiver. You can put him in the slot and let him run routes against most defensive backs, and he has a good chance of winning. Um, that's the big thing uh, between Geis and Saquon Barkley is what are you looking at at running back? Are you looking at a guy that is a natural runner? Are you looking for a guy that's going to be that just bell cow back? Or are you looking for a guy who translates more to what many people would argue is more important in today's NFL, a guy who can both catch the ball and a guy who can run the ball? Um, of course, we've seen the success of Alvin Kamara, and we've seen the success of Christian McCaffrey, guys who are great uh, with the ball in their hands, out of, catching passes out of the backfield. And then uh, Christian McCaffrey, of course, a great route runner, a guy who separated against most cornerbacks that he faced. For a guy like Geis, would you like to see him on a team like Washington? Because the Redskins have Chris Thompson, who can ex, uh, who's really, really good in that third back role, third down back role, especially in the passing game. But he's not as good. He can't because of his small size he can't really uh run in between the tackles and take a work ha- uh, a bell cow role do you think that guys would fit in better in a place like that absolutely and that's one thing i think nfl teams are growing to focus a lot on is having a combination of guys that can do it all um you have to have a guy i mean it's rare you're going to find a guy who can do a little bit of everything even if you look at saquon barkley he's not the greatest power guy i understand he's 233 pounds just waiting for that uh the combine uh yesterday but he doesn't run with a lot of power, can go down on first contact pretty easily. You have to find a nice blend of a power back and then a, a you know a receiving back, a, a speed back, whatever it is you want to build your offense around. You have to find a nice mixture. I feel like guys, if you put him into a team that has a good uh, receiving back, a guy who can do a little bit of everything else, you can let him be that workhorse back and carry the load. All right, moving on to a team that lost the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes, the New York Jets. And I had them take finding another quarterback, their quarterback for the future, in the draft with Baker Mayfield, the quarterback from Oklahoma. What do you think of Baker? Okay, now, if we're taking away the off-the-field stuff, I think Baker has an argument for being the best quarterback in the class. When you watch him, a little bit undersized, and it doesn't interfere with his ability to create passing lanes. He has to create a nice, clean pocket for himself to work from. Uh, if someone gets in his space, he has to immediately relocate. He can't throw over the top of guys very easily. But Baker's a great decision maker, rarely makes a mistake, always throwing to, I mean, always throwing to the open guy, always finding the open guy. I know a lot of people were concerned, played a lot of backyard football in 2016. In 2017, proved he could play in the pocket a lot more and has shown that he's developed quite a bit. 
He has a little bit of unorthodox, unorthodox mechanics. Um, can get a little bit wild at times, but his ball placement is usually perfect. Do you think that Mayfield, the scheme that he played in, I don't feel like Oklahoma really had a pro-style scheme with Lincoln Riley. And the Big 12, you know, they don't play a lot of defense there. Do you think that that could hurt him, hurt him when he plays in the NFL? I think it's going to hurt his stock, but I don't know if it's going to hurt him in the NFL. The thing that I evaluate, and I know a lot of people agree here, is that when you're looking at a guy, you're not necessarily looking at the offense he's running in terms of is he taking snaps under center. I know a lot of teams in the NFL want that but it's not a necessity. You want to see a guy who can consistently get to a second and third read, can find a second and third option, and continue to go through his progressions. Even if that's in a shotgun offense, a spread offense, uh, where everything's kind of moved out, as long as the guy's not just one read and done, just looking to his first target and throwing it no matter what, you're going to have a guy who is smart enough to play in the NFL. Uh, it may take a little bit more time to translate those elements to the pro game, uh, learn an NFL playbook and pick up those NFL concepts, and apply them, you know, working under center. But I believe Baker can do that, and I believe almost any quarterback that has shown that ability to get through their progressions can do that at the NFL level. Is Baker a guy that you want to see sit for a bit before he starts, or do you think he can come in right away and play? I think if you build an offense that allows Baker to use a lot of the concepts he used at Oklahoma, he can start right away. Um, You know, it's going to be a little bit of work learning the terminology, but from everything I understand, from everything I've heard about him, Baker is an absolute grinder in the film room, a guy who picks up on stuff very quickly. And, of course, you see it on, on field. Gabriel create very well for himself. And that's one thing I think stands out with his ability to start right away. His ability to create for himself, um, you know, outside of the box um, and do things a little bit. If the play breaks down, he uh, excuse me. If the play breaks down, he can't play that backyard football. He can't be a little bit like a Russell Wilson type where he's going to extend the play and make something happen, even if it's off script. See, I don't think he has the same athleticism that – uh, Wilson had though. Wilson's a really, really good athlete in terms of being shifty and changing directions. I don't see. I don't think Baker is going to be able to elude defenders in the way that Wilson has in the NFL and the way that Mayfield was able to do in college. I feel like NFL teams are going to have a little bit more speed and the gains that we saw, the five yard gains where he would run out of the pocket, break contain, and just get a little bit on a scramble. I feel like those are going to be sacks in the NFL. Here's the difference between uh, Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield. As you as you said, they're different athletes. Russell Wilson, by far a better athlete, but the thing with them is in the pocket, they create for themselves very well. And I think Baker, he doesn't necessarily have to be scrambling to be able to create for himself. He does a very good job of setting things up in the pocket and being one of the smaller guys. He knows how to create throwing lanes. He knows how to create platforms for himself. He's one of the best movers in the pocket in this entire class. Always finds somewhere to be and can, uh, as a friend of mine uh, referred to him, he's a rabbit in the pocket. He can find somewhere to go. And if you can find somewhere to go, you can still be successful. Um, just because if you're in the open field being run down by an NFL-caliber defensive end, might be able to catch it. But if you're able to move around in the pocket and create for yourself, then you're going to be a lot tougher to catch. And also, with the scrambling, I don't think he's that elite scrambler like Russell Wilson. It's not going to make the big play with his legs. But he has more than enough to get downfield. And also with that, you have to factor in that he's usually not looking to run. Last year, did a little bit more where he looked to run after uh, his first read was covered. This year, he showed he can stand in there, keep his eyes downfield. Even if he starts moving, he can keep his eyes downfield and find someone to hit, uh, hit downfield. Do you think that the Jets and Jeremy Bates, their offensive coordinator, are going to be able to make an offensive playbook that suits Baker? Because Bates comes from the Shanahan system, and we obviously saw what Shanahan was able to do in 2012 with RG3. Do you think that Bates is going to be able to do the same thing with Mayfield if he does get him in the draft? I feel like the big question is going to be, not necessarily with Mayfield, uh, with Mayfield, but, um, I mean, Lamar Jackson is another guy that we could argue uh, here. 
going to the Jets, it's number six. And I feel like Lamar Jackson, with that kind of explosiveness, um, of course, a way better athlete. If you're talking RG3 here uh, and what a guy can do, do with athleticism, I wouldn't say Baker Mayfield, you're going to be doing a lot of work in terms of creating a lot of athletic plays, um, you know, using him in a lot of read option stuff. But if you are trying to use him in a way where you're going to just give him a lot of quick reads, a lot of stuff that he can do in the short to intermediate game, I think he can be successful. Um, of course, Kyle Shanahan, a QB wizard, and uh, I would I would say that anyone that comes from that coaching tree going to be able to find a way to work with Baker Mayfield. We'll be talking about Lamar Jackson in just a bit, but before that, let's talk about what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to do with the seventh pick. I think they're going to get the best player in the NFL draft this year with Quentin Nelson. Listen, they got to see what Jameis Winston can do. It's been, I think, three years now since they drafted Winston, and he's been good at times, and he's been bad at other times. And part of that is because he hasn't had a great offensive line around him. They've got He's got weapons with Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, Sean Jackson, but he doesn't have that offensive line to consistently give him protection. I think that drafting Nelson, the offensive guard from Notre Dame, gives them a cornerstone in that offensive line. I feel like he's best at guard, but you can move him to tackle if you have to. What do you think about Nelson? I feel like it's a little bit silly for the tackle conversation. I know he measured in very well at the combine, came in with 33 uh, and 6 inch arms, 33 and 3 fourths. They use an interesting measuring system there that doesn't really work. Uh, you know, they don't break down their fractions, but very good arm length, tackle arm length for what you would expect. But he does play guard. But the thing with Quentin Nelson is he's such a wide guy, he's such a big guy doesn't necessarily have the lateral agility to be shifting out to uh, offensive tackle. But if you put him at guard, he's going to be an all-pro uh, for the next five, ten years. He's going to be a very successful pro. Uh, brings everything you want to the table um, on tape. A guy who's physical, uh, he's a finisher, just runs through people. I know guard isn't the sexy pick here. Guard isn't the pick that people really think is that sh- uh, franchise-changing guy. But he really brings every tool to the table that you want. And he's just uh, the perfect prospect for an interior alignment. So Nelson comes from Notre Dame, a a school that's known for producing quality offensive linemen. Do you think that he's the safest pick in this draft? There's no safe pick in the NFL draft, which is a total crapshoot, but do you think that out of all of these players, Nelson is the most NFL-ready and most, most likely to succeed in the NFL? Absolutely. He's one of the one of the top guys in terms of being safe. And of course, as you said, it's definitely a crapshoot, but there are certain picks that are very safe and guys that are almost guaranteed to pan out. I feel like he's one of the top three safe guys. I feel like Billy Price from uh, from Ohio State Center, even though he just got hurt at the combine during the bench press. Hopefully he heals up well. But um, outside of injuries, these guys are almost guaranteed uh, successful players. I feel like Quentin Nelson is in that tier. I graded him. He's uh, one of my two guys that I have graded as a Hall of Fame caliber guy. I feel like he can come in and be an immediate impact player. And uh, he's going to be arguably the best guard prospect to come out in a long time. I know Mel Kuyper from ESPN said he's the greatest guard prospect he's watched in the past 30 years. Wow, I mean, that's high praise coming from Mel. Nelson is a spectacular player, we know that. But there's also the question, is this too early to take a guard? I'm a Redskins fan. We took Brandon Sheriff with the fifth pick, and that pick has been spectacular for us. But part of me always wonders, what if... We had decided to go and take Leonard Williams with that pick and solidified our defensive line because offensive guards aren't as sexy a position as defensive linemen, like you said. But since that off, the quality of offensive line play has become so bad in the NFL, do you think that it's worth taking a guy like Nelson this early? Yeah, I think even going beyond the quality of offensive line play, it's just a matter of how talented is the guy and best player available. I mean, guard isn't the premium position. People want to tackle. 
But guard is definitely an important position. When you got, uh, get a guy like Quentin Nelson, he sets a presence. I know Brandon Scherf sets a presence in Washington. The presence you want to set on that offensive line is you want to make that defensive line hate playing against you. You want the guy across from you to quit. And Quentin Nelson said this today. He said his goal is to make the other person's will to play in. He wants to stop that. He wants to snuff that out. He wants to make them quit the game of football when he takes them on. So that's something you want from a guard. That's what you want the presence to be. That's what you want to to bring that kind of mentality. And I feel like someone like that, you can kind of change the mentality of the offensive line around them. You get a group of guys who are nasty, who are finishers, and want to change that kind of mentality of their offensive line. You can get a real group of, of just nasty offensive linemen who can just really impose their will. It's going to make it easy to protect your quarterback. It's going to make it easy to run uh, run the ball, and it's going to make defenses hate playing you. I'm excited to see what Winston can do when he finally has some solid players on that offensive line. Moving on to another team with a young quarterback, the Chicago Bears get their young quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, some help with Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver from Alabama. When I was making this mock, I thought this might be a little bit high for Ridley. He's not the most high upside pick. I think his ceiling is as a number two receiver. I don't think he can, I don't think he can consistently be a number one receiver in a good offense. What do you think of Ridley? With Ridley, I'm looking at what he can do in terms of what he comes with out of the gate. Not necessarily as high upside as someone like Cortland Sutton, a huge body guy, uh, you know, coming in at like 6'4", can catch above the rim. But with Calvin Ridley, you're looking at a guy who has some of the best route running in, in any receiver in this class, arguably the best route running of any receiver in the past several classes. He is able to come in immediately, and he doesn't just separate with his athleticism. Decent athlete, but that's not what you're buying him for. You're buying him for great hands, and then you're also buying him for that ability to create separation through his nuance and his footwork. He's able to set things up very nicely and gain ground no matter what. It doesn't matter who you're putting on him. Unless they're a top-tier athlete, you put, you'd have to put someone like Marshawn Lattimore on him to even limit him. He's going to be a consistent safety net target for his quarterback, and he's going to be a legitimate wide receiver one, even though he's not the big-body guy. Do you think that Ridley would be better off in the slot, or do you think he has the necessary size to play outside? Just because he can separate, I would put him outside. I'm fine with playing him outside. Uh, you know, you could use him in a variety of ways. Um, but the thing with Ridley, you're not using him as a downfield threat. You're not using him as a red zone threat, a guy who's going to go up and get the jump ball. What you're using Ridley for is you're going to try and put him uh, one-on-one against a, a cornerback and just tell him, hey, man, go and beat this guy and get open. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to hold him down and man just because of that separation ability. Uh, you're just asking him to, wherever you want to put him on the field, um, running inside, running outside, the comeback, the slant, it doesn't matter. You put Ridley out there and say, get some separations from the guy that's on top of you, and he will do it. All right. Moving, All right. moving to the number nine pick in the draft, the San Francisco 49ers. They got their quarterback of the future in Jimmy Garoppolo. Now let's see if they can help out their defensive coordinator, Robert Saleh, by taking Josh Jackson, the cornerback from Iowa. Jackson had some highlight reel plays earlier in the year, especially that one-handed leaping interception looking like Odell Beckham Jr. against Ohio State. What do you think of Jackson? I love Jackson. Right now, he's my cornerback one. I know a lot of people are saying that Denzel Ward should be the guy going to San Francisco, but I'm not sold on him. I feel like Denzel Ward, a little bit too much uh, staring down the receiver, not getting his head back around for the football, slow to make a play, uh, limited ball skills as a result. Josh Jackson, on the other hand, is a guy with elite ball skills, had, I believe it was eight interceptions this past season, Turnover machine. Only one year of starting experience is going to be a big concern for some teams, but I think he showed all the traits to be a cornerback one. Um, I know some people are concerned about his straight line speed, but I think he moves very well in space, able to take guys on in man-to-man, uh, can work in zone as well, but press coverage, you put him up against the guy, and, you know, I talked about really 
tell him, hey, man, someone's going to be on top of you. Go get separation. Josh Jackson is the guy you put on Calvin Ridley. He's the guy that you say, okay, we're, we need to shut down this receiver. This is their wide receiver one. We have to stop them, and we have to change their game plan. Go get on him and shut him down, and Josh Jackson can go do that. See, I don't think that Jackson's that good in press coverage. There were a few times, especially against Penn State, where he got turned around really badly by, I'm blanking on the right now, I think it's Deshaun Hamilton. Yep, right. Sean Hamilton. I mean, that guy is special in terms of his route running, but he turned around Jackson more than a few times. And I feel that Jackson's more, He's a, he has incredible recovery speed, he's incredible ball skills, like you said, and I think he's better off playing off-zone coverage and best when he's jumping routes and, and looking at what the quarterback is doing, looking at the quarterback's eyes instead of having to key on a receiver. I think he's worth the pick here for the Niners. Denzel Ward, I like Denzel Ward. I think he's a physical player. He's very feisty. But I think he's also a little bit undersized. I think I'd like to see him a, like a few inches taller if I was going to draft him this early. Josh Jackson seems like a solid pick. Another team in California, the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders haven't. The Raiders had a very disappointing season last year, and I think that they need to improve their defense, especially in terms of adding athleticism. They got a pass rusher in Khalil Mack. I think it's time to improve their their off ball linebackers, and I think that's where Roquan Smith, the linebacker from Georgia, comes in. I absolutely love Roquan Smith, and if this mock did went a few picks farther, I would have given him to my Redskins. But, oh my god, I saw him play in the national semifinal game and in the national championship game, and he flies. He's such a matchup nightmare. I've never seen a linebacker run like this guy. What do you think of Smith's speed? I'm pretty impressed by his speed, but I don't think it's the type of speed that's game-breaking. I think he has enough to move around, but I'm not sold on him. I feel like he's a little bit undersized, and I'm really concerned with how he translates to an NFL uh, NFL defense. Listed at only 235, a little bit smaller for, for back. Um, you know, As I said, though, he's able to move around quick enough to cut off most running backs. He can cut the corner off and stop guys from turning up field. Um, but the big question is also going to be his tackling. I was impressed with his tackling. He's not a boomer, and he hasn't shown the ability to be consistent wrapping up and taking guys down. Not the type to drive through people. I think the range is a little bit overrated. Of course, we watch him on broadcast. We watch him, uh, you know, making a lot of tackles in the in the game against Oklahoma in that semifinal playoff game. But it, I just don't see it fully with Roquan Smith to invest that early in him. I know uh, a lot of people are saying his stock is slowly dropping down. Could still be there uh, in, as a pick for the Raiders. But you might be looking at someone like Tremaine Edwins out of Virginia Tech, a little bit younger, a little bit longer, um, more athletic in, in general. Uh, that might be the pick for the Raiders instead of Roquan Smith. I feel like Edmonds' pro- mental processing, though, in terms of reading reactive plays is much lower than Smith's, and that's also because of experience. we got to remember Edmonds is just 19 years old. But I feel like for the Raiders, you know, you just got John Gruden. There's so many expectations. You're moving to Vegas, and you, you got Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Khalil Mack. The list of stars just keeps going and going. I feel like Reggie McKenzie feels the pressure to make the playoffs, and he's going to make – and I don't think he has the time – or the patience to wait for a guy like Tremaine Edmonds to develop. And I think he's going to take the more NFL-ready prospect in Roquan Smith. Absolutely. And there's certainly an argument there for that. Of course, Roquan Smith, I feel like, uh, of course, a lot a lot better with mental processing than Tremaine Edmonds has shown that on, on tape. He's a great uh, read and react guy working against backs, can work in coverage very well, can come downhill and explode, make a ste- uh, explode with his steps to come in and uh, make a play and run defense. But, yeah, like you said, just way way more developed in terms of what he brings immediately. Um, but the big question with him is going to, again, be that size. Can he hold up? I feel like Tremaine Edmonds, of course, would be the more flash pick there, but I understand the Roquan pick. Um, just a very smart player who can come in and be impactful immediately. He reminds me a lot of Jalen Smith coming out. Not necessarily as long, 
but a guy who uh, is, even though he's smaller, even though he's, uh, you know, not necessarily the bulkiest of guys, does a good job of being impactful and being around the play all the time, always around the football. How does his, how does Smith's athleticism compare to Jalen Smith's athleticism before the injury in the Fiesta Bowl? Prior to the injury, I think Jalen Smith a little bit faster, can cover ground a little bit easier, and then also a little longer, able to uh, secure the tackle a little bit easier because of that long angular frame. But I do think they're very similar. I uh, I would say both guys, of course, are a little bit uh, slimmer frames and uh, not necessarily boomers, but guys who are both uh, very smart players, able to consistently find the football. What's your comparison for Smith and the pros? I mean, I've seen a lot of people throw around Patrick Willis as a comparison, and I feel like Willis, I mean, he was a spectacular player for many years before he had to retire. Do you think that Smith's ceiling is that high? Uh, absolutely, and I, I feel like his his ceiling, I wouldn't say it's Willis necessarily. I feel like it's going to be a little bit less. There are a lot of freak athletes out there that you could use. I feel like Willis, a little bit stronger, more guaranteed to get those solo tackles. Roquan might need a little bit of help from his teammates to bring guys down. One guy that really stands out to me, and I mentioned him just now, is Jalen Smith. But, of course, also Alec Ogletree, a little bit more successful than Smith. Uh, Smith, of course, with the injury, hasn't really lived up to the billing. But Alec Ogletree has had a pretty solid career with the Rams. I believe he got a second-team All-Pro this past year. Um, pretty successful pro, and I feel like very similar to games, both guys who are a little bit undersized, but both guys who are very smart players who are able to move around very easily in space. All right, that concludes the mock draft portion. Now I just want to get your opinion on a few players, especially some of the more polarizing players in this draft. Let's start with the quarterbacks, Josh Allen. I mean, Allen, I've seen him play a few times, and he's got such a great arm. I mean, he, he reminds me a little bit of Patrick Mahomes last year in terms of pure arm talent, that these guys can sling the ball incredibly well. He had a terrible supporting cast in terms of receivers and offensive line. I think that contributed to his really low completion percentage. But there were some serious accuracy issues with Allen. You see, you saw him miss a lot of the short touch passes. I feel like he has a high upside, but also a very high-risk prospect. Absolutely. And the thing with Allen that I think most people fall in love with, of course, the measurables and the arm. Arm talent trumps all to a lot of evaluators in the NFL. Of course, a lot of people who are more, uh, you know, their jobs aren't relying on my job isn't relying on Josh Allen being successful. So I can kind of evaluate more of a broad scale versus just grading on his arm talent. But his arm talent is there. It's the same level as Pat Mahomes. Not able to generate as much velocity off-platform as Pat Mahomes was. But if you're telling both of them just to wing it as far as you can, as fast as you can, both of them can get it, you know, 85 yards downfield. They just have absolute cannons. Um, the difference between someone like Mahomes, though, and Allen is arguably the accuracy. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of Mahomes coming out, but I know a lot of people believed his accuracy way beyond where Allen's is. And then also touch. Josh Allen doesn't have a lot of touch in his throws. Just throws with absolute gas on every single pass. Um, just gets it as fast as he can. And that results in some pretty nice plays downfield at time. But also you have quite a few times where he's going to be throwing those short passes uh, into the flats where he just you know, lights his uh, receiver's hands on fire and they drop it. Um, so needs to learn to throw with a little bit uh, better touch. But one thing with Josh Allen that I think stands out to a lot of evaluators and one thing that I find boosting his stock quite a bit, he's such a big dude. He stands up well in the pocket and he can hold it down in the pocket. Pat Mahomes, the similar arm strength was there, but he wasn't as good holding down the pocket. Allen, he's kind of like Ben Roethlisberger. You just hit him in the pocket and people just fall off. He's so big, he's tough to bring down. And that makes him a pain to try to deal with. Uh, you know, he can just stand in there and just ha hang on until someone comes open. What's his ceiling? I mean, I said that he ha had a high upside. Is his ceiling a guy like Ben Roethlisberger? And I, I, I feel I've gone back and forth quite a bit. I've gone with Ben Roethlisberger at times. 
I've gone with Derek Carr at times. But I feel very strongly that if Josh Allen reaches his potential, it's unlikely he gets this far, he gets to this point, he could reach an Aaron Rodgers-type level. Whoa. Very similar. Very similar for, now, let me let me say this, though. The odds of him reaching that level, very slim. It's, it's a huge uh, leap to make. But that's the peak of what you're getting in terms of arm talent, in terms of ability as a scrambler, you know, hanging tough in there in the pocket and creating for yourself. Um, all the skills are there for that to be what he can become. But he needs a lot of work in his mental processing. He needs a lot of development. He needs time to build to that. I don't think he will ever get to that point, but that's what teams are seeing, and that's what teams want to believe when they look at Josh Allen. Another quarterback in this draft that's been really polarizing, Lamar Jackson. Some people saying that he's the best quarterback in this class. Some people saying that he should be a wide receiver. What do you think about Jackson? I had a very low grade on Lamar Jackson, but it was a matter of grading skill. I feel like Jackson, if you put him in the right offense, can be very successful. Think of what uh, the Houston Texans did with Deshaun Watson. A lot of rollouts, a lot of play action, showing the field quite a bit for him. I feel like if you got a team that did that for Lamar Jackson, he could be very successful. The biggest concern with Lamar Jackson is his footwork. In the pocket, he throws with a very narrow base and it throws off his accuracy quite a bit as a result. If he can clean that up and throw with a wider base, he can develop more over time. But as a pocket passer, as a rookie, I don't know if he's going to find success. His accuracy is just not there. As I said, the mechanics are a big part of that, but natural arm accuracy doesn't always show up. When he's throwing over the middle and when he's going down the field, he can show some pretty impressive anticipation and ball placement, but it's very hit or miss. Uh, Decision-making-wise, doesn't uh, do a great job. I know a lot of people say the, the Petrino offense that he ran is complicated. He wasn't doing as much as people were expecting him to do in that offense. Um, a lot of times, just looking at his first man, if he wasn't there, going to take off and run, going to create with his feet, going to go a little bit uh, just freestyling, as I, I would say. Um, but if you get him in the right offense and you get him in the right scheme, he's a freak athlete. A lot of people think he's kind of like Mike Vick, a guy who, if he's not getting it with his arm, he can get it with his legs. Uh, I know a lot of people expect him to run in the 4-4s. If he runs in the 4-4s, his draft stock is going to rise quite a bit. And teams are going to look at him not as a wide receiver, but as a quarterback who has the like freakish running ability, even more so than someone like RG3 did coming in. See, I feel like he's different than RG3 because RG3 was a straight-line track star runner, but Jackson has a much better change of direction, change of speeds, and he's re- he's extremely special in terms of creating plays off schedule and creating in the run game. What offense do you think he would be best in? I mean, is are there any t- teams that you think could adjust their offense good enough for him to be I a good player? I don't know any teams in particular that I would say, but like I said, with the Houston Texans and what they did with Watson, if you can get a team that puts him in that kind of situation, it could be very sex- uh, successful. Now, you... Put up an interesting point. RG3 is more of like a straight-line track star type guy, guy who's just going to be going straight downfield. His lateral agility wasn't always there. Lamar Jackson has that. The thing with RG3, and I feel like it's part of why he got injured, is because he was a straight-line guy. He wasn't making people miss. Lamar Jackson, very elusive, very tough to get a good hit on him, a good solid hit on him. And as a result, you know, making that, that hit uh, you know, limited, narrowing the, the damage that he takes, you know, uh, lessening the damage that he takes, it's going to help his career long-term, and it's going to make him more viable as a straight-up runner. I would compare him a little bit to someone like Colin Kaepernick. I know Mike Vick is the high, but I think Colin Kaepernick is what you're going to see immediately. People can be uh, you know, in all different directions with their evaluation of Kaepernick. Of course, a very controversial uh, off-the-field uh, situation. But if we're looking at Kaepernick on the field, amazing arm velocity, I think Lamar Jackson has that. Um, able to take off and run at a moment's notice, also has that. But also some mechanical issues. They cause some concerns with accuracy and also decision-making. Not always there, uh, safe with the football, but 
but not necessarily a guy who's going to be getting to a second and third option very often. All right, moving away from the quarterbacks, Derwin James. I mean, James is an absolute freak athlete. He played pretty average early in the year because of his injury, because he was coming back from injury. But as the year went on, he's really he really improved and he became a standout player that many expected him to be by the end of the season. How do you expect him to test? How do you expect him to test at the combine? I know a lot of people were expecting him to run in the 4-4s. I don't know if I would say he runs in the 4-4s. I think he's a rangy safety. I think he can move very well in space, but he's not a sideline-to-sideline type of guy like Minka Fitzpatrick. His closing speed is enough to work with, but it's not anything overly impressive. I wouldn't be shocked if he runs like a 4-5-2, something along those lines, but I don't think he's going to blow up the combine like people expect him to. All right. Do you think he's as versatile as Minka? I've seen some people say that he could play in the slot maybe even play as a dime linebacker. I don't know if he's as good as Minka is at those, but do you think he can show that same type of versatility? I think it's two different types of versatility. What you're looking at with Derwin Derwin James, you're looking something like Jabril Peppers, where a guy can play box safety, and then he can cheat up and he can play linebacker. Whereas Minka, you can play him uh, as a nickel corner, you can play him as a deep safety, you can play him as a box safety, you can play him as a linebacker. You can play Minka in so many more positions and use him because he does have that extra range that Derwin James doesn't have. Um, Derwin James, I would compare him a lot to a guy like Deion Buchanan uh, for Arizona, a guy who can kind of be that hybrid safety linebacker in today's NFL. I think that's kind of the role you'd be looking at him uh, as if he doesn't just stay as a traditional box safety. All right, last prospect here before I let you go. Marcus Davenport came from a really small school, UTSA, but he's got some freak measurables. 6'6", 255, incredible bend. I mean... I, Je- Jeff Schwartz was telling the story about how he texted Matt Miller that he was wa- he was calling a UTSA game and he texted Matt Miller at halftime saying you have to watch this kid because Davenport was absolutely taking over the game. Have you seen any tape of Davenport and if so, what do you think of him? Yeah, I watched uh, three games on Davenport. Based on him, I know he got a lot of buzz going into the senior bowl. A lot of people were saying he's a top ten guy. He could go as early as number seven to the Buccaneers. I know G- Daniel Jeremiah had him going seven to the Buccaneers, going to the Senior Bowl. Didn't have a great Senior Bowl, didn't perform up to snuff, but he did okay. Um, you know, on his tape, he's a guy who isn't very developed. He's a guy who needs a lot of work. His hand usage isn't necessarily there. He fires them off constantly. He's very active with them, but he needs to develop a more uh, effective tool toolbox and, uh, you know, put more tools in there to actually really get things overall. Um, the athleticism is there. He hasn't shown great bend. He has good lower body explosiveness. Um, I don't think he was really allowed to show that at UTSA. I think it's something that can't be coached out of him, though. Um, But he's a guy that, when you're looking at all the tools, everything that he has, he's a guy that people want to bet on. But it's a risk, and it's something that you're not going to do unless you feel very confident with where your team is at. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark Jarvis. How can people find you online? You can find me at my uh, Twitter, at What's on Draft NFL. You can find all my work at www.com. What's on draft st.com that has all of my reports, everything like that. Um, of course, I have a podcast as well that I do daily. So, thank you guys for uh, tuning in. Thank you uh, for having me on, man. It's a pleasure. It was great talking with you. Uh, great to be a part of, uh, of your podcast. And I really appreciate uh, bringing, you bringing me on here. Thank you so much. And we hope to have you on again. That- I'd love to be back on, man. Mark Jarvis from What's on Draft. Thank you so much.